0: The free-for-all roundtable.
1: Brought to you by Lexus Vaughan, Canada's newest Lexus dealer in the Maple Auto Mall near Rutherford at Highway 400. Luxury is closer than you think.
2: Round one.
1: On round one, say good morning to your panelists. Tim Hudak is here, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. <laughs> Laura Babcock, host of The O Show and with Power Group Communications, and Mark Warner is here, international trade lawyer. Good morning to you all. Let's actually start with this business of an Eglinton Crosstown station where the platform is being ripped out and replaced. And let it be noted, it was only just built and we're not even running the trains yet. Laura Babcock, I'll start with you.
0: Wow, it's so painful. It's so painful. Uh, people are watching these transit projects, and while I understand the, there's always concerns about COVID and the delay in materials and everything else, to see something actually get done and not get done well while the taxpayers are paying for it and waiting for this transportation system to get built, uh, you know, it's it's embarrassing. And this, you know, at the same time as we're seeing that there might be a push to get the CEO of Metrolink a big raise. I mean, you got to get the job done properly, and I'm glad the citizens are monitoring this stuff and reporting it back.
1: And, and we will get to the uh, CEO of MetroLink's in a moment. But Mark Warner, you worked in government. You know how intransigent some uh, people can be and how, uh, um, you know, uh, impossible some projects can be. But this is quite incredible, ripping something out that just got built, because apparently it wasn't built right.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, this uh, this is, I guess, uh, the everything in Crosstown is a, what they call, is a public Private partnership. So, we have actually paid people to do this. So, the frustration I have in government is that you write a lot of requirements into private sector firms, the things that they have to do, and quality control and standards. And, you know, you have to be able to hold them to account and be willing to do that. So, my frustration when I was in government on the bureaucratic side of government is governments that A, would not want to put those kind of accountability terms in the contracts for various reasons, or B, wouldn't want to enforce those uh, accountability terms when they are in the contract on a timely basis. So I think both of those things lead to the kind of nonsense as we see with this project. It's just not done very well. So I don't blame I don't blame government in the way that a lot of other people do. I blame it really in that more on that sense of the inability or unwillingness to actually enforce contracts with the kind of firmness that I think you have to on projects of this nature.
1: And Tim Hudak, this all comes on the heels of a very interesting feature in the Toronto Star where they decried the fact that Metrolinx just isn't talking anymore and they are offering no explanation as to why this project is so behind schedule.
2: Yeah, I mean my colleagues talked about the mistakes with this and and the company that did this wrong should be paying the bill uh, not the taxpayer for this kind of screw- up but to your point there there John uh, they're making a mistake now whether it's Metrolinx who decided to put on uh, the gag or whether they've been gagged by the government it is a mistake to do so it makes us even more suspicious of what's going on is going to cause more blow- up if you screw up say you screwed up we're sorry here's how we're fixing it we're making the company pay but if you duck under your desk you don't answer the texts, man. You're just going to create an even worse situation for yourself down the road. Okay, and let me stick with you for a second, Tim Hudak, because Laura Babcock was mentioning Brian
1: Lilly writing in the Sun today that the CEO of MetroLinks, uh, the board of directors has recommended that his salary be bumped to more than a million dollars. And thing is, here's the problem, Tim Hudak. You worked in government. I don't know what people are worth, but I I think if you're not getting the job done, you don't deserve a raise.
2: Especially those stories back-to-back. Uh, you're absolutely right. So th- there's two two things here, John. I think you make an excellent point. Do we know what that position is worth? Well, the best way to do is actually compete that out, not to, to automatically hand over a significant to pay increase for the incumbent in the position, but compete it. See who else is available. Can talent do it better? And they, can they do it cheaper for the taxpayer at the end of the day? Uh, look, the CEO there started out just running go trains, not just, that's a significant job. Now that it's expanded massively to building subway systems, okay, I get that. But if you really want to know what he's worth, see what the market is and see what the best available talent is to so do one of the biggest jobs in North America. I bet it will attract a lot of shining lights. The political risk here, number two, is Doug Ford was harshly critical of the previous government for the million-dollar man that ran Hydra One. Doug, Doug Ford went to town on that. And when you're government for a long period of time, the risk is you start committing the sins that you accuse your predecessor of committing. Laura Babcock,
1: I don't know what an elite salary is anymore, and I'm sure it's complicated to run Metrolinx, but I would join with a lot of people in thinking that, yeah, giving this guy a raise may not be a great idea.
0: Yeah, and I found it so interesting that this is coming from Brian Lilly, who often has sort of scoops from the Premier's office, and it's almost like it's a it's a first shot across the bow against the board to give the Premier some leverage in terms of not going along with the salary if there's a public uproar about it, uh, because when Ford renegotiated the, renegotiated the extension from the win contract with the CEO, they added another quarter million to the contract. So they've already gone up with this guy once. He's now bringing in three quarters of a million dollars. So this seemed to me a little bit odd, you know, that they're getting ahead of this. And, you know, that old line of, well, the CEO himself hasn't asked for a raise, that's that's always laughable, right? There's That's how boards work. Your buddies on the board try to leverage to get you what you want. Let's find out what the job's worth, what other transit people are being paid for other major projects like this around the world. I wouldn't be surprised if the salary isn't close to a million dollars. But then it comes down to how do you put in metrics for performance? Is this something where the raise can be put in based on actually getting some of these projects done.
1: Okay, and Mark Warner, last word on this. I mean, people are quite indignant, it would seem, about federal civil servants wanting 13.5% more, but whenever it comes to CEO salaries, everybody's always, smoke them if you got them.
3: You think, I, 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 I've never noticed that that's the, the public response to CEO salaries, to be honest, in the public sector anyway. Um, but I do think that the issue of having competitive salaries is important if you want to attract good people. Now, I don't know what it is. As you say, the only way you're going to find out is if you actually compete the job. Um, you know. So I think, as Tim said, so... Um, that's a separate issue from whether this guy, his performance is worthy of being kept on. And I just don't, it doesn't look to me like it is, but I think the issue there probably is sometimes when you have someone in place who's tied into so many files that are not going that well. If you try to replace him in, or her in mid-course, yeah. that you sort of adds more difficulty. So you're kind of you're kind of you know uh, struck by having to keep this guy, and if he's sitting there quietly saying, "Well, I have options," you know, Saudi Arabia is building a whole new city. I could go over there. Someone else has done recently. Um, so that, that, that's I think that's the problem. With this. I don't think he deserves a, deserves a raise, but I could certainly see that to attract someone who would, might know what they're doing would probably get you closer to a million dollars.
1: Uh, Tim Hudak, I'll start with you on this next issue, and that is the Premier announcing that they're changing the standards for new police officers. I find this to be a very compelling debate because I don't know if there's evidence that having a post-high um, school degree, if it actually makes you a better police officer, maybe it's more about character in the first place.
2: It, it, increasingly so, about your, your personal characteristics, can you take on what I think is a Extremely an increasingly difficult job. You're constantly in the spotlight. You're being questioned. There are movements to, to defund police. They have been villainized, and I think we need them even more. You know, John, I remember being in government where we made a decision to increase um, the requirements to become a nurse. We moved that to a university degree from a college degree. We thought there was more science uh, needed there, a bit more on the business side. We made that decision. Uh, the same thing for police officers. And, and I say, no, at the end of the day, it's your life experience, what kind of characteristics you have and how you can lead personally you can decide you know maybe university degree will help me climb the ladder and get to be a lieutenant or chief or what have you but as a baseline to get in no i think ford is right about this open it up and let us choose the best quality individuals not the diploma on the wall
1: Okay, and Mark Warner, you're a lawyer, and certainly I remember from personal experience, you used to be able to go from, in Quebec, CEGEP to law school, and the year that I was about to do that, they said, no, you need need to get a bachelor's in something, and so that's why I'm not a lawyer today. Uh, But is a bachelor's degree in something necessarily enhancing to a career?
3: Oh, I mean... (sighs) So that's a big, um, I don't, I don't, I, you know, so many people are, not, are choosing not to go to university now, particularly young men are, are not going to university or, or, you know, that's a, that's a huge problem across the board. So to what extent the regular workforce, a university degree is, is so essential to what you're doing. When you look at all these CEOs of, you know, tech companies who drop out and whatever, and that's not an option available to everybody. But um, I just don't know the answer to this. I and mean, if the answer is a way of increasing diversity, then I perhaps would come out one direction. If it's a return to the, old days where you know you had every cop on the beat was some irish relative of um, the irish police chief that <laughs> i'm not sure i'm not sure i really like that so I, I need to know a little bit more of what's what the motivation is here before i can sort of come down on it i think it's
1: to find more live bodies to inhabit uh, uniforms laura Babcock. <laughs>
0: Well, it's also the premier who's good at this kind of signaling, signaling that he's taking a law and order approach to the rise of violence that's happening. Uh, You know, we talk about it week after week in the TTC, there's story after story, people are are scared. Now, as we've discussed, there's other things he can also spend money on uh, in terms of curbing violence, and that is, of course, helping with mental health costs and other things. Um, But that's partly what he's doing. He's signaling it. I I found it really interesting when you actually interviewed someone who was an expert on this, and they said, well, actually, it never technically changed. You know, cops can still get in with just high school. uh, And so this isn't changing that. Around the actual training, though, and, and getting rid of those financial barriers for it. If this announcement came out with also one saying that to get more nurses, they were going to do the same, I think people would take it a lot better. You know, don't prioritize one necessary service over another when we know in this province that both are critical to have good people working as soon as possible in these roles.
1: They had a somewhat intemperate meeting last night at a Catholic school board over the issue of raising a pride flag in the month of June. Uh, Tim Hudak, I know your daughter go to Catholic school Um, I don't know how we got to the point where the raising of a pride flag was somehow a test of people
2: yeah, I, I'm with you here. In the, in, I'm on the parent council at, at um, Catholic school here in uh, in Toronto, and uh, the Toronto Catholic School Board does raise the pride flag that happened at the schools where my my daughters attend. I think that is the right thing. Back home in Niagara, where I went to school, I don't know if that's the case, but it should be. You will have parents um, who have a right to voice their opinions. They did so very aggressively, but I do hope that the York trustees will come down the same way as those in Toronto uh, and have schools raise a flag.
1: And Laura Babcock, like I was saying. It- We have reached this juncture in politics, it seems, where inclusion is somehow up your nose.
0: Yeah, it's the culture wars. You know, it's it's foaming up from the U.S. uh, and this kind of pushback this against verified things. So this idea that um, people had accepted the pride flag going up in a lot of cases because it's just the right thing to do to show solidarity to celebrate people for who they are, and now that it's being challenged and it's becoming, you know, as you said, sort of a proof or a test of, I guess, wokeness or whatever people are trying to conflate this into. This is just about protecting people's human rights and. about being being loving. So the fact that the Catholic school is having this kind of turmoil over it says a little bit about their own beliefs and their own Christianity. Uh, And I love what one school did when they wouldn't put up the pride flag. The community put pride flags all around the school property right at the edge, right? In other words, saying, we want to show love during pride. Like, enough with this nonsense and these stupid culture wars.
1: Thank you all. Good to have you. Mark Warner, Laura Babcock, and Tim Hudak.
2: Catch the round table. Round one at 7:45.
1: Round two at 8:45. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010, Toronto.